This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for November 13th, episode 2057. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge... You're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. But don't fence me in. Let me be by myself. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on this endurance episode. We appreciate you being here. And Karen is back, as always. Hi to Karen. Good morning. Well, we have a lot to talk about on today's show. Let's go to Jennifer first and find out what's coming up. Coming up on today's endurance episode with Karen. Karen's got some helpful hints for winterizing your horse trailer. And then Hannah Bartnick shares her stories from her South African West Wild Coast ride. Oh boy, I can't hear, wait to hear what wildlife she saw there. And Haley Domler is going to give us a report from the front lines of the California wildfires where she's been helping rescue animals. And the Century Club rider Gary Brown is going to stop by for a chat. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. For once, a rider older than me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Unless his horse is like 45 and then. <laughs> well, Karen, uh, boy, you don't live too far from where all this uh, is happening in California. We're going to talk more about that as the show goes on. Of course, we're talking about the fires. You said you're, what, about 150 miles from I think so. And of course, the Southern California fires, that's right where I grew up and my family still lives there. Oh, really? I didn't and, know that. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The fire started in Ventura, which is where I'm from, close to the ocean. And it just got out of control so quick. Are Same for okay? the, the Northern California. Um, yes, everybody's okay. I did have, I know several endurance riders that did unfortunately lose their homes. Um, a lot of equestrians have been affected by this. It's, it's a, a you know, huge disaster for the state of California. Is, are you as dry in Nevada where you are in the mountains? Um, we are really dry here. It's It's been really dry. I was just watching yesterday my horse wa- horses walking through the field, and it's just a dust cloud for them. Mm. Whereas a lot of times this time of year, we're complaining about the mud, you know, and the snow and the wet and, and that sort of thing. And basically, we really haven't had any precipitation. In fact, we've had to turn our watering and irrigation systems back on after draining them um, because we were getting such, you know, wonderful weather, nice and warm, but also very, very dry, which really contributes to the uh, extreme fire danger in the region. Even in your area. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. 
Well, we're going to talk more about that as we go through the show, but let's talk about endurance and uh, what you've been up to. Well, last month I did the Red Rock Rumble 50, in, which is north of Reno, Nevada. I rode Chief and uh, my junior, uh, Kaylee, rode Bo. We both did the 50. It was a beautiful ride, um, had a really good time. Um, the one thing that happens to me on this one particular ride, and it's happened like three times now, is every time midway through this ride, my left foot goes numb in the stirrup. What are you doing so different I, on this ride? Than, than I don't ride. know. <laughs> it's one of those things. I just, I mean, I did Tevis this year and no foot cramping, no pain, no problem. Everything went fine. So I don't know what the deal is. Are you drinking was, large quantities of vodka before you start? I, uh, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I <laughs> take my Redmond electrolytes and I drink well and I, I it's just it's really a strange kind of occurrence that it, it just keeps happening to me this was like the third time it's happened and and I the way to solve it is I have to get off and walk on foot and then that helps work through the cramping and you know everything gets better um huh. you know it it's just kind of one of those really strange things if anybody has any ideas let me know because and why on one ride and not another well, and why just this one ride? Out of all the times I ride all year long, it's happened like three times on this one particular ride. So I don't know. There's something I must be doing. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So, but uh, yeah, we finished. Um, uh, and I actually ended up clipping both of my horses after the ride because they they've got really hairy. And like we, we just previously were talking, we've had unusually unseasonably warm weather so guess what happened right after i oh it snowed horses. i guarantee it snowed it, the next day well it didn't <laughs> snow but it went down to nine degrees of course it did <laughs> at night nine degrees everything froze <laughs> so that's one yes and so it's the blanket on blanket off blanket on blanket off so it always it, happens the day after you clip it does. It does. Yep. And then uh, and then the last thing I did with the horses of any interest was we rode in the Nevada Day Parade and uh, the Arabian costumes. And that was kind of fun. It, it's an election year. And so they have a huge number of entries. The parade had 228 entries and we were number 97. So we spent a lot of time in staging, you know, standing around, um, which is great for endurance horses to learn how to do. It's, it's yeah, but not so great really that you're learning how to do it while waiting by the band. Um. Right. The band <laughs> and, the, and the musket shooters from Virginia City. And uh, yes, there's plenty of noise. The cheerleaders and all just jumping around with their pom-poms. They, they all, horses love all that. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. My horses are kind of, yeah, they're kind of beyond that. But, and I wanted to give a shout out to um, our own endurance ride vet in the region that vets, well, almost every Nevada ride and a lot of West region rides. And she's also an FEI vet is Dr. Susan McCartney. And it's her group, the Parade parading Arabians that we join. And she even provides us with the costumes that we use, which are really just gorgeous. I, I mean, the, the whole pictures group are very looks, fancy. Yes, very. It's it, and the, the costumes are quite heavy and it's just uh, 
they're beautiful. I mean, when you get the whole group of horses together wearing all of these costumes, it's just gorgeous. They're beautiful. And so it's uh, just kind of something fun to do with the, any, with the horses. Any the un- unintentional dismounts, loose Arabians, or spectators hurt in the making of this parade? <laughs> Not at all. Oh, In fact, okay. this year, everybody's horses behaved. There's been other years where, um, y- you know, some people had some, you know, a couple of maybe wild rides for a second or two. But this year, everybody, you know, I think the group now is mostly people that have done it before. This was um, my horse's fourth time doing this particular parade and about their 10th parade overall. So, um, most everybody's getting pretty seasoned at it. And, um, you know, for my horses, it's no different than an ordinary endurance ride start where they're typically, um, you know, pretty calm. It's, uh, once you get done, once we got almost back to the, to our starting point where our trailers were parked, that's when the horses get kind of like where they want to go 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 you know but up until then they kind of know the drill we're just going to be walking for an hour and a half you know <laughs> well, nothing we, too exciting before we get into other aerc stuff i wanted to ask you do we have any updates they had sent a letter to the fei and the usef and trying to you know well just trying to get changes done in the endurance world so what do we have new as an update since the last month Right. Well, we know that the AARC board had a meeting last night and they were going to have somebody join them from USEF. And of course, that happened last night. So I haven't heard the outcome or seen any p- posts. And, um, you know, I think this is a complicated matter that it's going to take some time to solve and work out. Uh, a lot of the membership isn't really happy with um FEI and some of the things that have happened in other countries as far as um, horse welfare concerns go. So, um, you know, and it's one of those things, this has been an issue for many years now, and a lot of people are starting to, well, they have lost patience and and confidence that anything is going to actually be done. So a lot of the members are calling for AERC to split uh, from USEF, and and I'm not entirely sure logistically what that's going to mean if that happens, um, but I do worry that it's just one more thing that can kind of splinter the organization, and um, it may or may not be a good thing. Because the AERC right now is the uh, ruling board for endurance in the united states correct right yes yes so uh, you know this this we've went through this with the uh with the american driving society as well Uh, american driving society is the ruling organization for driving events in the united states and uh they had a you know they've been threatening to break up with the uscf forever i mean it's just been a it's been a, a you know a troublesome relationship. Now they they shook hands and made good last year after the announcement was made that they were breaking off, and then they made up. They kissed and made up. I don't know what kind of concessions had to be made each way, and there's always more politics involved than you can imagine. And then here mm-hmm. with this situation, we also have the FEI, and you know it's it, well, let's it's mismanagement of the endurance sport altogether. <laughs> so, you know, right, as evidenced right. Yes. at WEG. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. 
So yes. now an FEI, since we talked last, an FEI uh, committee was set up to take a look at all of this and, and involving the rules and just every, every the way that uh, endurance is handled on an international level. Um, it's going to do an in-depth rule review and identify the most effective way of bringing the discipline back to its roots of endurance riding as opposed to endurance racing. And that's what I want to talk to you about uh, Mm -hmm. with horse welfare and horsemanship at its core. So after the letter went from the, the, the American Endurance Ride Conference saying we need to get back, basically what we, you and I talked about, we need to get back to endurance riding as opposed to endurance racing. In other words, more technical challenges as opposed to flat racing for 100 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they announced, then come out and said they were announce, announcing that that's what they were going to be looking at. So it's interesting that, as, I, I don't know if it was a direct result of that letter or pressure that they're getting from that, but it does look like they're they're looking at that particular topic. Right. And hopefully now, because of what did happen at WEG, something is going to actually happen, hopefully a positive outcome for everybody in this sport, because we want to see it continue. We don't want to see everything splinter and come apart and you know, because our membership numbers and the amount of writing our members are doing has been declining over the last decade. And I think that's probably true of all of the mm-hmm. en- endurance groups mm-hmm. in all the countries. It's not just here, uh, you know. Well, I, I think in other countries, the sport's growing more than it is here. Well, I think part, of, but, and you know, part of the problem, too, and we have this, because uh, we, ta- you know, obviously at the Horse Radio Network, we have the opportunity to take a look at almost every discipline out there and what's happening with those disciplines too. And one of the big advantages that they have in the countries in Europe and stuff is they're smaller. You can get to rides easier. Exactly. I mean, right here, if Jennifer wants to go to a ride anytime over the summer, she's got to drive two days, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, whereas they drive half a day. So it's, there is a big difference and, and, uh, you know, our our the size of our country hurts us in many ways when it comes to horse sports. Exactly, and we do have an aging membership as well. Uh, and that was one of the things I wanted to talk about today with this the Century Club thing. Yeah. But also, um, Mike Mall, who's a board member and a, the tech guy, uh, he posted that AERC has three hundred and seventy four members in their seventies. What and seventy. 70- Yes, in their 70s, and 76 older than that. The most mature age goes into the 90s. I thought the American Driving Society group was old. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, endurance riders are tough. You know, they just, they're tough. For riders in 2018 so far, 119 were in their 70s, and 16 were in their 80s. The oldest rider in 2018 was 86. Wow. <laughs> so so there you go. And then we have... This, and it's not uh, like you guys are riding two miles. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, we're getting in the saddle and riding for hours. Even on the limited distance, we're out there for hours. And uh, so there, there's a new... Uh, well, it's not really new. We've had this for a while now. The Century Club with an ERC, which is where the horse and the rider's age add up to 100 and so this year so far, we have five riders that uh, their age 
combined with their horse's age, add up to 100 that have completed an AERC ride. And uh, let me just name them really quick. Uh, Janet Berud riding Emera from the West Region. Maxine Bernstorff riding C.H. Sham Bashir, also known as Bad Andy, from the Midwest. Janet Kirkpatrick riding H.A. H.I. Fire from Midwest, Gary Brown writing Charisma from Mountain Region, and we're going to talk to Gary later on in the show, and then also Tom Sherwood writing Blackie from the West Region, and all of these people are um, most likely, I think it's safe to say, at least in their 70s, (laughs) because that would make their horse at least, you know, in their 20s to 30 range. And uh, so congratulations to all those riders for still getting out there and and uh, riding endurance. For all you auditors ready to send me a snarky comment, I'm not even close. Not even close. <laughs> exactly. Does this make you feel young? <laughs> it does. I, I, and and I, I was just trying to figure it out. I'm not even at retirement age if I add my pony and me in. So there. <laughs> Take that. So, you have a young horse. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Uh, Jennifer got to do something fun since we talked last. She did an, an endurance clinic and got to do a, a ride. Did you know that? She got to get out there. Well, tell us about it, Jennifer. How'd it go? Uh, Is she- you're on mute, Jennifer. I, you're... Nope. We still can't hear you. Technical difficulties. I'm not on mute. There you go. There you go. Unmute yourself. How did it go? I'm unmuted. There we go. I, okay, here we go. Um, I did a little clinic here in Ocala put on by our local endurance and competitive trail organization. And day one, we got to do lots and lots of clinics and seminars and discussions all about every aspect. And it was interesting because the most questions were about the rules. I kind of, I kind of kept a mental note of what people were asking questions about more. They had more questions about the rules than they did about fitness than they did about tax than they did about travel than they did about anything by far. And that just goes to tell you that endurance, despite the fact that on the surface, it seems simple is a very complex sport in regards to its rules. (laughs) And then to add add to the mix. Yeah. To add to the mix. Um, each region of the country, or should I say many regions of the country, also have separate organizations for competitive trail rides. Uh, mm-hmm. The most significant b- difference being a competitive trail ride is an optimum time sport, whereas endurance riding is a fastest time sport. That's, and we'll leave it at that. So it gets very, very confusing because the, almost everything else, everything about the rules are different. So we had lots of questions about that. Um, that was a lot of fun, and we got to camp overnight for our very first time, and Nigel was a rock star. He ate, and he drank, and he pooped, and he peed, and he managed, didn't knock down his portable corral. Yay! Oh, great! <laughs> Yay! That's the most exciting part, Yay. is she actually camped. We, she bought the she went out and bought panels, and did, we did a practice run, too. Um, so yeah. she oh, did good. a practice run, and, and uh, the horse survived the practice run. So then she was able to go out and do it, and everybody survived. We were not the loose horse, Karen. <laughs> we were not but there was one <laughs> there was of course there's always a loose horse there's always a loose horse and he, he was a this one was only nine and a half miles so he of course came back fresh as a daisy this time he was actually a lot calmer this time when we did our was our first one back in january 
he was a little bit on the muscle because he was used to fox hunting. And usually when you fox hunt, you just take off at a dead run and have a great old time. Uh, so this time he was a little bit better. We didn't have to canter sideways for the first half hour. Oh, good. And things like that. So I was a lot less tired than I was last time out. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> good. It does get easier because now you're learning mentally what to expect. And so is well, the horse. It's, it's still a little bit, it's still a little bit confusing for me. Um, having come in, come from eventing and dressage where everything is very precise down to the minute. Um, it still feels very chaotic to me. Part, it's like, okay, we're going to, this, this ride is going to crew over here and that ride is going to crew over there. But an hour ago, we told you, told you your break was going to be 20 minutes. Now your break's going to be half an hour. And the person who's going to be doing the vet checks changed. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's, it still feels very chaotic to me. I, that's still going to be a steep learning curve for me. Yes. Well, you're out there doing it. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> well, you know, and she didn't come back with any wild stories, which I, I was kind of disappointed in because that's the job of our hosts is to, uh, <laughs> just to screw up and come back My with wild stories. My goal is to not be that girl. <laughs> My goal. I was very disappointed, though. This, there was one thing that really bummed me out because I was competing in a combined competitive trail ride not an endurance ride uh-huh. you have to wear a penny like the eventers do versus an endurance ride where they write your horse's number on their butt with a big wax pencil which i think is so cool uh-huh. i had to wear a penny which covered up my really awesome uh, big bang theory bazinga shirt i was totally bummed out oh <laughs> 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 All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit while Jennifer's getting our first guest on the line. We have many today. Let's talk a little bit about the fires in California. You found some uh, some contacts of where people can help, and we're going to talk to one of the people that has been going in and rescuing horses. But I know one of the things that always happened when I worked with the Red Cross setting up shelters is we always got. Uh, well-meaning people would come out with tons of crap. Um, I, I remember when we went into West Liberty, Kentucky, and set up a shelter there after the town had been totally destroyed in the mountains there by a tornado. I mean, the whole town was gone. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of people died, and it, we were there right when it happened, right after it happened. And people brought tons of stuff in. The problem was we weren't, we weren't able to cope with the stuff. Um, You know, we were worried about, you know, just getting a shelter set up and getting, you know, help to people and food to people. And they were bringing all this stuff in. Um, So what what is needed right Right. now? Do you have anything on that? Yes, I do. People have been posting some lists and saying, um, you know, don't bring any more clothing. um, Because a lot of these people are living out of their cars. Uh, Mm. You know, there's going to be a huge housing shortage in this Northern California area. I mean, it's the numbers are staggering. It's um, yeah, there's almost 6,500 homes been destroyed in that one already. Yes. The total number of buildings destroyed is 7,177. Uh, 6,453 of those are um, single family homes. And there's also 75 multifamily dwellings. That were, so you're looking at thousands and thousands of people. So what they're asking for now, the things that they need, um, duffel bags, backpacks, luggage, undergarments for all ages, and they want them to be packaged and tagged as new, gift cards for stores like Target, Walmart, Food Max, Visa gift cards, uh, pet food, cat litter, and livestock feed uh, for the places that are taking in all of the animals, bedding, 
and towels. So uh, really one of the best things that for those that want to make a donation uh, is a gift card because then they can use it for what they actually need. And, you know, when we were with the Red Cross, we would always say money is what they really need because, you know, everything, things can happen with money. And, um, you know, what happens here, too, is that most of the shelters are full, um, and it's it's just a tough situation right now, and stuff is almost the worst thing you can get. Now, I do know that there are some of the, and they've been posted on Facebook all over the place, some of the organizations that are taking in horses are accepting hay, and but that's, again, a coordination effort. Um, so mm-hmm. I would say, you know, take a look around. Uh, there's plenty of articles on on where to donate, but even the organizations that are taking in horses, what they really need is money because they can buy what the horses need at that point. Uh, and they, and they can make sure that everybody's taken care of where, uh, because one of the things that happens is it's a large drain on money. And no matter how much donations, there's always, it's always the wrong kind of donations. And I know people are well-meaning, but it's not always what you need. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And some of these animals are needing, you know, vet treatment. Some of them have burns and injuries that need to be treated. And and so... Uh, and that, you know, we all know, can to... run up the bill. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it can. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, it's, it's looking at... Uh, just the Northern California fire, 117,000 acres burned. This was as of last night. Uh, 42 have d- died, 52,000 evacuees, and 1,400 of them are in shelters. So, uh, And the fire is only 30% contained with an estimated date of containment of November 30th. So this is wow. going to be an ongoing uh, thing, I-, I believe, for both of the, the really large fires in California, it, uh, one in the north end and one in in the southern end of the state, uh, unfortunately. So, um, and 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 I did look up some uh, rescue groups, and we've got some links that we can post later for those that want to go. Um, you know, just to look and see what um, what's going on and what they can do to help. And I know one of them is the North Valley Animal Disaster Group. You can find that on Facebook if you just search for North Valley Animal Disaster Group. You can find that one. <clears throat> we haven't talked much about this, but the Cowboy 911 group is an interesting group. We ought to talk about them uh, at some point and get one of them on. Uh, <clears throat> they, they've been doing a lot of good work in this one. Um, and then in Southern California, there's the VC Animal Services Group uh, and, and a couple of others. But we're going to mm-hmm. talk more about that a little later in the show when we get our guest on. In the meantime, it's time to talk to Kristen from Distance Depot. Hi, good morning, Kristen. Kristen. Good morning, Karen and Glenn. Before we get started with uh, stuff that you want to talk about today, I want to mention that Kristen and Distance Depot, for the fourth year in a row now, are part of our (laughs) Holiday Radiothon coming up. And they have some donations of prizes, so we'll be giving away some Distance Depot prizes on November the 26th. That's Cyber Monday. We start at 9 a.m. and go to 9 p.m., 12 hours live. And thank you again, Kristen, for participating this year. You're very welcome. We're always happy to participate and looking forward to the Cyber Monday show. Well, I got 90 entries in of songs oh. and, and recordings from people that I haven't listened to any of them yet, but so it should be interesting <laughs> to see what came in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
Okay, well, let's see. We are going to talk today about how to keep the riders and their horses warm. So tell us what you have, Kristen. Okay, well, um, we have lots of warm weather gear, of course, horse blankets um, in different deniers, which means basically different strengths. Um, And then most of our blankets that we stock are a medium weight, in our area, at least, it doesn't get that frigid, so we keep um, mostly medium weight and lightweight sheets, like rain sheets, available. Um, uh, and, and the deniers, which are would be like a 1,200 denier or a 600 denier, basically means the strength of the outside shell. Um, so, for instance, our boys like to pull each other around by their tail flaps, so in that case, they're out there spinning themselves around and pecking at each other's blankets. Um, so in, the, in that case, yeah, like a 1,200 denier would be the best way to go mm-hmm. there. But if you have a horse that's, you know, just sort of out by himself or blanketed in his stall, 600 denier would be perfect. Um, you know, he's probably not going to take much abuse, but um, still perfectly um, good to keep him nice and warm. We had snow. We've had about oh four and a half, five inches of snow in our area, so it's tis the season, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about your area, but it's Kristen, turned. you live in the wrong place. <laughs> I know it for sure. We do, Glenn. <laughs> so, and of course, winter gloves. We have a ten below glove. We have some carrots. Um, really cute winter gloves with little horses embossed on them, and lots of good. Hats and and ear um, ear warmers or headbands, if you will, that will go underneath your helmet and keep you nice and warm. So, and what about tights? What have you got tights. that will will block the wind? Yes, yep, the we cold have three winter winds. Yeah, so they're great mm-hmm. um, to keep the wind out, um, repel mud, rain. What what do snow. you have? What what brand are they? Um, well, we have carrots and we also have Iridian. So, and they both make a wind pro tight, if you will, and they're three-season tight. So they have fleece on the inside, very nice and soft. They feel like jammies. That's <laughs> I what I write in. Like yeah, they're jammies. wonderful, yeah. wonderful but they stuff. Do. Yeah, they shed the wind and the rain and, and um, keep you super warm, which is nice. And you can layer underneath them, too. Um, some of us have those silk leggings for those of us, Glenn, who live in the chilly area. <laughs> um, <laughs> They work really well, yeah. And outer jackets, of course, and, and waterproof raincoats by Carrots. Um, but if you go to our riding tights, um, pants, shirts, jackets, outerwear pages, you'll find all that gear there. And what do you have? We were talking about the fires. What do you have um, items? I, I believe I can't remember right now the name escapes me but the id that um that you had we talked about it once before that you can fill in all the information and then attach it to your horse yes they're they're actually made by sierra view ranch and they're called in case of emergency clips um if you just search on the website for safety clip or in case of emergency these items will come up there are several different ones and they even have one for your dog now so you can put it on your dog's collar um basically what it is is a strip of nylon and attached to it is a plastic um 
piece of um, material that Velcros closed. So if you open it up, there's a place to put your name, the owner's name, telephone numbers, and so mm-hmm. on. Um, mm-hmm. But they're nice and light. They will clip onto your tack. So they have a new one that's called the Ultra Light um, Carabina, and that can actually be braided into the horse's mane um, for those who like to braid their hair. And it stays there. It's visible. They're in bright colors, and the um, emergency people would definitely see it. It would stand out on your horse. Um, On the dog's collars, it's obvious as well. They also have a product called the Mainstay, which has a little plunger, and under the plunger is a little hook, and you basically take the horse's mane and run it through there, and then when you let go of the plunger, it locks this on to their mane, and it is proven to be oh, you know, neat. They say uh-huh. safe. Yeah, and, and so just a great thing, and all of these things, if you don't keep it clipped to your saddle, they should be kept somewhere um, that's you know, with your emergency kit or your um, readiness kit so that you can keep your horse safe in an emergency situation like these. Right. And these make great ride awards. I received one as a completion award at a ride once, which I thought was a terrific idea. Yes, they are great awards. And and like I say, just a really good thing to keep in your your box um, for your safety gear, for sure. Okay, Kristen, give us your website and your phone number. Okay, we are www.thedistancedepot.com. You can reach us toll-free, 866-863-2349. Terrific. Well, thank you again for joining us this month and for your support. Thank you. Appreciate it, Kristen. Bye-bye. Bye. So uh, she's going to be giving away a custom halter. Uh, so the, uh, at Radiothon, you'll find that if you go to HolidayRadiothon.com and click on the prizes page, you'll see all the different prizes. By the way, I wanted to mention and remind everybody that you only have this week yet to get your entries in for Holiday Radiothon. You can find out how to do that at HolidayRadiothon.com and click uh, how to win, and it'll tell you the directions. Uh, if you submit a voicemail to us or, uh, before, well, uh, actually, I'm going to have to cut off the voicemails pretty soon. I think about 20 more, and that's all we'll be able to handle. So in the next couple days, you want to get your voicemails in. And then you can still call in the day of Radiothon, say hi to us, uh, and you can enter to win that way just by giving us a call and uh, joining us for the holiday fun. We Last year, I think we had 240 callers all day. Wow. So we're looking forward to uh, more fun this year. And by the way, you're eligible. You can call in. You can call okay. in that day. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll put your name in the pile. Um, all right. All right. Let's uh, get our next guest on. Okay. Next, we have Hannah Bartnick, who has actually been on uh, the show with you before, Glenn. Yep. She recently, comp- she's an endurance rider as well, and she recently competed in the Race the Wild Coast Ride in South Africa. And I'm uh, welcome to the show, Hannah. I'm excited to talk to you and hear about this event. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. Good to hear from y'all again. Good to be back. So give um, us a, just a little overview. What is this event? Yeah, so Race Wild Coast is a um, three-stage endurance race on the wild coast of South Africa. Um, it's about 325 kilometers, and um, 
14 international riders competed in it this year and raced for victory um, across some absolutely brutal terrain. Uh, you get three different horses at uh, appointed stations, and um, you just try to survive, kind of. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's called the Wild Coast for a reason. Um, you know, it's absolutely remote. Um, it's gorgeous, but everything's out to either cut you or poke you or bite you or drown you the uh the cliff sides are well they're terrifying i'm a little bit scared of heights anyways uh but didn't didn't really expect it to uh be any more scary than some of the tevis cup trails uh but it it was quite a bit more terrifying um (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, i had a a little bit of uh trouble on the race i just my ankle the first day going down these uh, really steep boulders that we'd have to uh, get off the horses and, and lead them down uh, and just totally fell on my face and uh, and twist my ankle pretty good and uh, made it through that day with the lead pack and um, uh, was on a little gray Arabian mare called Unicorn and she was absolutely wonderful. Uh, she had this big lump on her head and I guess that's why they named her Unicorn and uh, she was probably the shortest one in the in the group and had a pretty short stride and I was a little bit worried about drawing her but she ended up being just absolutely phenomenal on those um really steep rocky descents um you're just it's raining basically the whole time and everything's very slick and and pretty dangerous especially when the horses have steel shoes on but um she was wonderful and didn't um trampled me when I fell in front of her a few times. So that was oh good. my we gosh. Got to the first day together. <laughs> so Hannah, oh, at yeah, what yeah. point on the first yeah. day did you say, I'm sorry, I'm here? Mm-hmm. At what point on the first day did you say, I wish I wasn't here? Oh, um, I think it was the second day before <laughs> I uh, really felt that. Um, because on the second day, I had to put my cold, wet clothes back on for the first time that morning. And it is just absolutely a degrading feeling, really, uh, to get out of your warm sleeping bag at 4 or 5 in the morning and have to go fetch your horse and you're already just absolutely soaking wet and cold again. Uh, You're only allowed to carry, oh, what was it, 11 pounds of gear, I think, uh, for the whole race on your bag. So you don't really have room for clean clothes every day or um uh not wet socks um no were you expecting the rain um yeah i was expecting the rain the first year that it happened was pretty uh the pictures looked pretty wet um and there's 32 rivers and channels um that you have to swim so you're pretty much guaranteed to be soaking (laughs) wet the entire time I didn't expect it to be quite as cold as it was, um, and it was pretty windy on a lot of it. So um, you're just kind of freezing the whole time, and <laughs> you're not eating nearly as oh, uh, as much as you should be, I don't think. Um, but after day one, we, we got uh, to the first force change um, sometime during day two, and I got this awesome huge beautiful palomino boar ped gelding which is a south african breed and you know he was just awesome but i soon discovered while we were trying to 
go through uh, Port St. John's, which is this South African um, bustling town, um, that he was absolutely petrified of the cars. And I was on my own. Uh, I had gotten separated from the front pack that I'd been riding with. I took a little bit too long in that first uh, horse change to get, get on my horse and get out. And, you know, 90 seconds, couple minutes will totally put distance in between you and mm-hmm. the, the other people. So, um, made that mistake and ended up trying to go through this town alone. And, um, we had to go through it to go across this bridge because the river, um, that we couldn't go through was a breeding ground for bull sharks. So, uh, oh. I probably had to go around <laughs> that one, that one river. Yes. <laughs> no hippos or crocodiles, but bull sharks were concerned. So, um, <laughs> I'm going down this slick, wet, uh, two-lane road that has a little sidewalk on the side, and this really steep, thorny, viney embankment down to the shark-infested river below me. Oh, um, boy. And my horse, yeah, when my horse, the first car that went by, they zoomed past you. No one slowed down at all, and most people honk at you as a hello kind of thing. <laughs> well, my horse absolutely lost his mind and bolted out from under me. And I don't think he really realized that he was running off the embankment because he didn't really jump. He just ran off and found that there was no ground underneath his feet anymore. So we, I don't know, we, we probably fell 20 feet down this steep embankment. And Ugh. luckily didn't roll with oh or anything. Gosh. But I hit so hard, I thought I might have shattered my pelvis or something. I mean, I was just like. Oh, you know, and then uh, <laughs> so now the poor guy is like trapping these vines and thorns and I'm having to get off and try to pull his head around to get him up. And we're pretty close to the shark infested river. I'm just waiting at any time for someone to jump out and bite me. But um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was the moment that I thought about hitting the SOS button. That, that was my moment of holy moly we just might not be able to get up and out of this because we we were just like ensnarled in these in these bushes and thorns so my hands are bleeding and you know poor horse had gotten a little thorn branch through his mouth and in between the bit and i had to pull it out and extract Mm. it and anyway after a struggle we got back up the embankment and i decided that I was not going to get back on him and I was going to hand walk him down the sidewalk because he's just uh, very concerned about these cars. Well, the poor guy just ended up stepping all over me and pushing me down a couple of times when he would bolt forward when the cars would come by. And the road was probably, I'd say two miles. I had to deal with that. Um, I ended up pretty much ripping my big toenail off when he stepped on me during that. And that was... <laughs> It's such a small injury, but it was so bloody painful the whole time for the rest of the race that, I mean, I just, it was terrible. There was, there was quite a few injuries on the, on the trek. Um, an, another rider in the first couple miles of the race ended up getting um, just kind of buck bolted off of her horse when she was trying to get back on him. Um, and I think she compound fractured her wrist. Uh, in those first couple miles, she ended up riding, um, Melissa Montgomery, she ended up riding the whole thing like that and coming at third. So she was just absolute little superwoman doing that. And another guy got his leg trapped in between a horse that kind of fell over on top of him and rolled him in between a, a little concrete house. And, um, oh, his leg was absolutely 
um, just <laughs> purple and black, the whole thing. So, you know, I consider myself relatively lucky to have not um, broken have anything. <laughs> Ankle, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so, you know, day two, we got through. Finally, the back riders caught up with me um, in the latter parts of the town, and I was able to kind of, you know, hook up with them and ride with them. Um, we stayed at a cool little place called the Crawl, I believe, on the second night. And, you know, people had hot showers and it was going, uh, had real beds and feeling a little bit better. But we had to get up at uh, 3 the next morning and be setting out to ride at 4.45 a.m. Um, so, you know, again, getting into to cold clothes is rough. And on that third day, when I came into the first vet check, I mean, my leg and foot was just every step was just so much pain. Every heartbeat just made, you know, it, it pulse and, uh, feel painful. And I really thought, man, I would just like to, uh, stop right here, but, um, kept going. That Palomino gelding ended up being just an amazing horse. Um, so much stamina, um, and great heart rates. I was a little bit concerned that him being such a big body horse wouldn't have the heart rates of some of these other ones, but he was just Super great, pulse down, and he actually enabled me to go from essentially um, dead last um, in one stage to caught up again with the front group because his heart rate um, just jumped down when we came into uh, a vet check, and I was able to get out pretty early. So uh, he was awesome. And then now I'm feeling kind of on top of the world again. Got my adrenaline going. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm caught back up. I'm doing good. And then I get my third and final horse, which is beautiful, gray Arabian gelding. And off we went on the end of day three, you know, galloping off with the front runners. So we go, oh, about eight miles to the next vet check. And the poor guy is a little lame behind. So, unfortunately, that was it for me. I was disqualified from the race. If, you're, if your horse goes lame, you know, you're, you're out. But uh, no hard feelings. I was, um, I was a little lucky that I, I guess I was feeling grateful that I got to stop and not kill myself any, any longer <laughs> on that fourth, um, fourth half day when everybody finished. So, I, well, what, uh, instead, what I got the- a nice helicopter ride across the coast uh, with Barry. Aww. So, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I what, saw humpback whales from the helicopter. It was amazing. What other wildlife <laughs> did you see besides the oh, shark? Oh, gosh. We saw, um, while riding, we saw several types of deer. Not not really sure what they were. Um, some antelope, a bunch of whales, actually, and dolphins. Um, probably 20 or 30 humpback whales. You'd be, you'd be riding along these cliff sides and look down, and then there would just be a whale surfacing. So it was... Um, really nice for a split second to not think you're going to fall off this cliff and die and look at a whale. Um, <laughs> so that was cool. Um, saw some monkeys, zebra, uh, wildebeest, uh, lots of eagles and seabirds. It, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, anything that was going to eat we you, Hannah? At, anything that was going to eat you? Did you see anything like that? N- no, no? Not, not that I saw. The bull <laughs> sharks were the main concern over, over that one river. Um, yeah, no lions or Cape Buffalo or anything like that that might have actually uh, put us out of our misery. So, <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. It, it was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life, but it was also probably the most thrilling. I mean, when you're in a situation like that and you just have to get through, all, all you think about is just kind of 
the immediate, um, you know, what's in front of you, what you have to traverse, you know, you have to take care of your horse. So there's just no time to think about anything except the, the terrain right in front of you. Cause oh, you, you know, there's lots of pretty pictures of the wild coast and the race. And it's like, Oh, we're just gapping along these beaches and these nice green hills. Well, I think part of that is, um, the, the pictures look easier maybe than uh, the race actually was because I don't think the photographers could even get in to some of the really rough terrain we had to go through. I don't, I don't even think they could have hiked their equipment in had they wanted to. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of the trails are cattle trails there. Um, that the, the cows just kind of go through and so they're really short. Um, and luckily I got some pretty short horses and I'm a short rider. So I was able to kind of stay on and just duck and go. But, um, you know, a couple people got wagged, you know, clothesline pretty good. Got some, you know, nice scratches across the face and stuff. Uh, lots of thorns. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, uh, the Barry puts on a great race. I mean, the rocket horse racing team was just on fire. Everybody, you know, was where they were supposed to be. Everything was organized super well. The base camp was absolutely beautiful. We ate good, you know, fresh oysters and seafood and, whole roasted no lamb. fermented oh, mare's good. milk hannah no <laughs> fermented mare's milk this time no the, i must say the food in south africa was uh quite better than the food in mongolia <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to eat out of a communal bowl filled with rice and lord knows what <laughs> <laughs> yeah lord knows what no we, we knew what we were eating this time it was magnificent it was uh <laughs> oh yeah well i um uh, <laughs> you know, I got a little sick in Mongolia, a little, uh, I don't know if it was a or something, but I wasn't feeling too well for a couple of days, and uh, I considered myself lucky in Africa to not actually have gotten sick, and then I came home and realized I had picked up tick fever from South Africa. Uh, I had found a tick in my belly button the first day I was there. It was oh, awful. my. And, um, yeah, so I had, like, really intense flu-like symptoms for uh, about a week once I got home. I was just... Absolutely dead, really. <laughs> After all that uh, accumulated travel time and race time, and uh, uh, and then and then the tick fever. So yeah, it was quite an adventure. <laughs> That's what I wanted, really. Well, what what's next for you? What what do you have coming up? Um. So I am going to Guatemala sometime in January. I guess I should probably get on buying my plane ticket, but I'm. So I'm going to meet with um, a guy named Chris McLucky, um, and he actually rode his horse all the way from Canada to Guatemala this past year, um, 5,000 miles on his little mare named Roxy. So I'm going down there to hang out and, and see what the horse culture is all about down in Guatemala and um, hopefully take in some warmer weather than we've got here. So that that's next on the list. Wow! And then, I uh, then I will graduate uh, from my university in May, and then uh, then the world really opens up, hopefully. So. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I guess AERC endurance is just kind of too boring. It's boring, for you. yeah. Who wants to do that? <laughs> I know. I, oh gosh! You know. Well, ugh. I mean, the tennis cup was wonderful. That was not. That was you know being out in California for a month and prepping for that and riding around all there and riding at Mendocino. I mean. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, but no, but there is an appeal to going out of another country and riding horses you've never met and breeds you've never seen and experiencing cultures that 
you can't really immerse yourself in any other way than, than by just sure. going and being there. Um, and, and experiencing all these horse cultures were just, oh, it's just absolutely wonderful. It's so, so good to see that, you know, just so many people are still involved in breeding wonderful animals and racing these awesome horses. And, oh, you know, I got to ride reindeer too in Mongolia. It's just uh, it's been a great past six months, really. Wow. So, the life of adventure. We'll see if my account can keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. Well, cool. Um, have a good time at Guatemala and maybe we'll catch up with you after you get back from that trip and hear how that went. And uh, I just want to thank you for joining us this morning and telling us about your adventures. Yeah, no problem. Thanks so much, guys. I'll talk to y'all soon. All right. Bye, Hannah. Thanks, Hannah. <laughs> Bye. Okay. When you saw some of the pictures, we didn't really talk to her about this, but when they were going through some of those rivers, they were serious rivers. This isn't a little creek. You only saw the rider's head and the horse's head, and that was it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's wide. It's like going across, you know, an eight-lane highway. It's that wide. Some of those pictures. It was. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, she's she's nuts. She's done a lot of wild things this past year. And I think things that she's so awesome. And you know what Uh I like about Hannah though is when she's she'll tell you she's terrified. (laughs) She just (laughs) she's she has no problem being terrified. Uh, (laughs) that's funny. All right. Well let's take a little break for a song. We're gonna come back with two more guests. Uh, but first we have to hear about renegade hoof boots. It's the reason Karen can get around these fifty and hundred mile rides. Exactly. We've been using the strap-on boots, mainly the regular Renegade boots. They work terrific on my horses. I used them on both horses on my last endurance ride. Uh, they worked absolutely flawlessly all day long. It was terrific. You put the, I put the boots on. They're so easy to put on. You know, they don't take any tools. They just slip on. You pull the captivator up, attach the Velcro, uh, and then it's just as simple to take them off again. In fact, um, I've even had my different juniors over the years using these boots when they're like 9, 10, 11 years old, and they don't have any trouble at all um, putting the boots on or taking them off. They are made in the United States. They come in several different colors. They have a couple of different models, that so you can find the one that's best suited for your horse's hoof shape, and you can find out more information at renegadehoofboots.com. Very good. RenegadeHoofBoots.com. Let's take a listen to some Templeton Thompson, and we're going to be back with two more guests in just a minute. Guessing wasn't such a perfect landing Yeah, I'm still alive, not sure how I survived It was a hell of a ride till it ended I guess that's what you get when you leave You don't always end up on your feet Oh, there's easier ways I could go
Templeton Thompson, when I get that pony road, you can find all of her music at templetonthompson.com. You're listening to Horses in the Morning, and we are the Endurance episode here once a month. Karen joins us on the second Tuesday of every month. And Karen, we're going to have to, Jennifer's had to bail out on us, so um, we are going to give your next guest a call live. Here, let's see how this goes. This sometimes works, and sometimes doesn't. Are you there, Karen? Um, Karen, are you on mute? Yes, I was like uh, Jennifer earlier. We were both muted. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry because about that. After all these yes. episodes, you think we'd learn. I know. All right, I know. we're calling Haley here. Yes. Haley Dommler has been on the show once before. She is a, a young endurance writer. Hi, Haley. Good morning. Hi. And Haley's been helping rescue some of the animals in the campfire in Northern California. So uh, tell us, Haley, a little bit about what's been going on up there your way. Um, okay. Um, so the fire broke out, was it Thursday? And um, we just got a call and we headed up that way. And um, there's been a great number of people that have just picked like dropped everything and just headed that way and have tried to make their way into the evacuation zones and just pick up as many animals as they can. And we and, saw, uh, we saw the little donkey that you rescued. Tell us about him. Um, so we had been seeing on the news that um, there was a donkey tied to the big den sign of Highway 70. And originally we had asked one of the CHPs at one of the roadblocks, if we would be able to get over there. And he's like, no, no way. Uh, that's right in the middle of the fire. And so we kind of gave up on that. And then we got um, dispatched out to a different call. And we were sitting there waiting for the rest of our group to come, which is um, Rachel Shackleford and then another friend from home. And we were just waiting so that we could regroup and go in together. 
Oh, CHP comes up next to us and he's like, um, have you heard about the donkey? And we were like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, let's go get him. And so we got escorted in by CHP and sure enough, went right into the middle of the fire and went and Cal Fire was walking him down the road and we just, it took all of us to load him into the trailer and we got him out. Ducky's Aww. like, I'm not doing anything anymore. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got him into the trailer, and he just laid right down and started eating. <laughs> Aww, was he injured? Um, he has has a couple burns. Well, he's completely singed. Um, he has no more eyelashes. All his mane is gone, and his hair around his ears are singed, and his tail is singed. And um, but I've been treating. We were worried about heat foundering. And so I was, I've been treating him for that and was icing his feet and putting creams on all the burns and everything. Oh, how's he handling that? He was doing good. Yesterday I was worried he wouldn't let us ice his feet. He was actually becoming a real donkey and uh, (laughs) started showing his true colors and had the vet come out because I was worried. And she's like, no, he's doing way better. There's nothing to worry about, and all we have to do is just bandage his feet and change him every three days. So he's doing a lot better than originally thought. Oh, good. Now, do you know who he belongs to? We do, yeah. We've been contacted by the owners. Um, so they're actually coming out today to come and see him. Oh. Were, were you able to get any other horses out? Were there others in need of rescue? Um, yeah, it, it was so hard to get in there you had um once it was under mandatory evacuation um you had to get law enforcement escort mm-hmm. um so it was, it was really hard to get in there so we wanted to make it clear that like if you were thinking about being evacuated or thinking about you wanted to get your animals out we needed to know right away because as soon as it's mandatory evacuation it's 10 times harder to get in and only certain crews were allowed in um so the first day, my boyfriend and I and another friend, we went up to Berry Creek and we rescued two steers and like three or four goats and threw them in a two-horse trailer and headed on down the road. <laughs> but um, they were one of the smart ones that got us in there early because there would have been no way to get in there on those crazy back roads with the fire going on. Um, so that's one of the big things is if you think you're being evacuated, like you need to let everybody know right away. And I think for people who haven't been to that part of, or any part of California for that matter, these roads and these hills are crazy to begin with on a good day. Uh, they're twisty, windy, sharp drop-offs, uh, two lanes, most of them. And, you know, on a good day, there's a lot of traffic. So I can't imagine trying to evacuate out of an area like that on those roads. Yeah, well, we originally thought we wanted to bring up our 18-foot stock trailer, but then we were, we were thinking about some of the places we might have to go, and there would have been no way to get in there with those trailers. So luckily, a friend let us borrow a two-horse bumper pull, and that made things a lot better. Hmm. And then, What yeah. are you hearing <laughs> as far as... Um, the area now that uh, the fire has cleared out of uh, out of that one section, what are you hearing? Are you hearing anything about farms and horses and animals? 
So there are crews that are still going up there. Um, I have a local friend, Amy Houston, and her parents, she's been in and out of there. Um, she's been picking up cats and dogs and um, some of the places that are kind of, the fire kind of swept through, they're either picking up like the animals or they're leaving them there and feeding them and then just going in and checking on them. So it's kind of a, truly really a mess everywhere. <laughs> um, but everybody's doing, you know, the best they can, what they can. We had this story on yesterday. We had the guy on, by the way, if you missed it, go back and listen to yesterday's episode. We had the guy on who rescued the foal that was being born when they got to the farm down in Southern California. The uh-huh. foal was coming out when they got there. And uh-huh. uh, he put the foal in the back of his pickup truck on his lap for an hour drive. Um but they, you know, it's amazing. These horses were running loose and they survived. And he said the place was completely burned to the ground. So, you know, they got out in the middle of a field and they survived. It's amazing that these animals survive at all, isn't it? After what you've seen. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's horses that I don't even know how they knew, but were jumping into pools and staying alive. And it's just incredible, like their survival instincts. Um, and then smoke inhalation local, is a big deal, too, and how they even get through without smoke inhalation, you know? Yeah. We were worried about that with the donkey. Um, he was kind of wheezy the first night, and so we were worried maybe we'll have to put him on some antibiotics. Um, but I think we got him out early enough that he's, he's cleared up now. I mean, air quality down at my place. I'm in Yuba City, which is um, 45 minutes south of Chico. Um, we're still pretty smoky here. I bet. I bet. So what's your advice for anybody that wants to maybe kind of try to help or contribute in some way to help these animals or even the, the people that are affected by this fire? So, um, there's programs. So like the animal disaster groups, um, they have trainings every year and they, they want people to take these trainings and get certified. And that's one way that you're going to get into like the evacuation zone zones a lot easier. Um, and then that way you're, you're safer, you know, the protocols sure. mm-hmm. um, taught everything like you possibly would need to know. Um, I would highly recommend that because my boyfriend and I, we were kind of, um, we were trying to do everything we could, but we couldn't get into majority of the places. We were getting dispatched by the disaster group, and they'd give us a number to get in, but CHP would still just not let us in without the right paperwork. You know, oh, I got, let's give a shout better. out to California Highway Patrol. Oh my God, these guys must oh, yeah. be working on fumes, but I mean literally fumes, and I don't bad pun intended. Um, it, <laughs> it's got to be so tough. They're there before trying to evacuate people. They're there during. They're there after, and they're there for the cleanup after. It's got to. I yeah. mean, ugh. <laughs> I say they're not letting us in, but that's for our own safety. They're not trying right. to be the bad guys. They want us to be in there. Rescuing as many animals as and it's got to be for, hard for them. The it's got to be hard feet. for them controlling that whole situation while they're worried about their own families and their own homes and everything else. Yeah, exactly. I know a lot of them. I know a lot of the firefighters and CHP in that area lost their homes, and uh, and they're out there trying to help everybody else while while that's going on. Uh, yeah. Well. T- wow. Wow. Tough. Well. Haley, thanks for talking to us this morning. 
And stay uh, safe. And, and thank you for all your help. And thank Rachel and everybody else that's out there with the hands-on yeah, helping out. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Haley. Bye. Wow. Um, yeah, you can't imagine a situation like that, I guess, un until you've been in it uh, and, and, you know, seen what they have all seen. I know. It's just um, unbelievable. And they were talking on the news last night about, you know, the town of Paradise that was basically obliterated mm -hmm. from this fire. And basically all the firemen and all the CHPs and the first responders they all lost their homes and yet they're still out there doing their jobs, trying to save everybody else. Well, do you want to, let's go on a happier note. Yes. Uh, let's, let's see do. if we can get uh, Gary on here. Why don't you talk about who Gary is? Okay. Uh, we have Gary. Uh, let's see. Scrolling down to my notes, Gary Brown. He is a century club member. He rides in the mountain region and, uh, the Century Club we mentioned earlier is when the horse and the rider's ages added together equal 100 or more. And he rides a horse named Charisma. And uh, hopefully uh, Glenn's going to get him on the phone in a second here. And we'll get to hear a little bit about um, his history. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. Hi, this is morning. Karen and Glenn. Thank you for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you. And congratulations on uh, making that Century Club with AERC. Well, that was quite an honor to do that and to have a horse that's capable of doing it at that age is, uh, is also another blessing. Well, our and, and how old is your horse? He's 24 years old. Oh, great. Tell us about him a little bit. Well, uh, he's, uh, he's a gray horse. He came from uh, fairly good breeding. Uh, he was a grandson of Kimasabi, who was uh, at one time a, a really good uh, show horse and uh, a lot of other things in his career. So as I looked at his breeding, I thought he was pretty good. Uh, but he came to us as a as a gift, kind of, when we bought my wife's horse. Um, they um, threw him in as a, a bonus because... Uh, they were wanting a lot for her horse, and I was a little on the fence about buying it. So he came to us as a two-year-old, and we took him in and brought him home, and I couldn't catch him. He was <laughs> uncatchable. Uh, as a two-year-old, you know, it's like he was holder broke, but uh, there was no way to catch him. So I ended up uh, calling him Boomer because uh, I ended up roping him and having to throw him down and do a bunch of things in order to get him where he submitted to me and things I didn't like to do then. I don't like to do now, but it worked. So, uh huh. Wow. <laughs> so, so you've been, you've had him for over 20 years then. Oh yes. Yes. Uh, I have. Uh, and he's been, uh, a good horse all that time. He, he's, um, got some issues like all horses seem to have. Uh huh. You know, and, he tends to not like plastic bags. <laughs> I've had one of those. <laughs> uh, I've worked and worked and worked with him on plastic bags. I've taken a bag on a stick and worked with him, and he'll get so he accepts it, and I grab it on it. Next time I 
riding down the trail and there's a plastic bag he goes sideways faster than oh, I, I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I totally get that <laughs> that's uh, <yeah>. yes <laughs> well uh, tell us about you how did you get started writing endurance well it was uh, uh, quite a uh, a story in that um I retired from the Forest Service as a wildlife biologist, and, and I'd ridden horses when I was a kid, uh, rodeo-type stuff, and I wanted to ride horses, but I wanted to do trail riding, but everybody was working at the time, and I couldn't find anybody to ride with, so I was riding by myself. And I came in contact with uh, a guy by the name of Bob Atherton and another guy by the name of Don Switek. and. Uh, they were both doing endurance at the time, and I said, well, come and ride with us. Come up and see what this is, and maybe you'll like it. And I said, well, that would be great. And the great part about it, I'd be riding with some men, right, because I'm a man after all. And um, so we, I went up to a couple of rides uh, just to visit to see how things are going. Then I went to uh, ride with uh, – uh, did some conditioning with Bob and, and some with Don, and we went to a ride. And I'm riding Boomer because he's bigger than the other horse I had. So they took and uh, we com- we were completing rides, you know, uh, LD rides to start with that first year. Then I did a, a 50 mile ride up at uh, Antelope Butte at the Bighorns. But um, the re- the way I got started was was with those two guys and I really enjoyed it and we had a good two or three years and then uh they started getting sick <laughs> Don Don got uh injured a couple of times really bad and Bob got uh some real bad health issues and and uh I lost those guys as riding so for the past oh 10 or 12 years I've been riding with ladies <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. Um, so, so Gary. Well, you... it's, it's not a bad thing. It's, <laughs> no, it's, and, it, and it's kind of good, you know, uh, uh, riding with Linda Fisher and some of these, uh, you know, people that have got lots and lots of miles on them. Uh, Isn't it interesting? I have it. Gary, we find it interesting Are... that this is not the first time that we have had uh people that start endurance later in life. There seems to be a lot of people who do start endurance riding later in life. It's not something they've been doing since a kid. Well, you know, I was, uh, uh, my uncle was a big time rodeo cowboy and I was turned off on that. Actually. Uh, I rode, I rode, did some bulldogging and stuff when I was a teenager and stuff, uh, in, in hometown rodeo type stuff, nothing professional, but, he went on to become a professional, and so did my cousin. But I, I didn't really uh, care for the atmosphere of, of rodeos. And, and at that time, it was a little more party-oriented than I liked. Then I went, went in the service and uh, got married. Couldn't afford a horse. Uh, lived in town. Uh, uh, the job I had, I was gone much more of the time that I wanted, although I got to do a lot of great things with my job. But uh, when I retired, I was only 55 years old, and I decided I would uh, uh, get back into horses again. But I didn't want to do the rodeo thing, and I wasn't into dressage or that kind of stuff. So uh, trail riding, endurance riding fit right in. 
What's your favorite ride? My favorite ride, I would say, would be would have been the Shamrock ride, which it's not going anymore. Uh, Susie Somberg put that on. It went on uh-huh. for 25 years, and uh, we did uh, uh, a number of rides up there. Uh, I'm a very competitive rider. I don't know where it comes from. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to. I wanted to be top ten and get best condition, all that stuff. But Boomer just or charisma, whatever you call him. I call him Boomer. He was just uh, not capable. He was, uh, he had a, uh, his heart rate, resting heart rate was like 48. And when, when, when you come in at the end of the ride and you know, you need to get their heart rate down and mm-hmm. the different, different vet checks. And it would just take him 10, 15 minutes to come down and so by doing that, I was losing lots of time. He was plenty fast. I mean, uh, and he was very willing and he did well when the heart rate was 24, uh, 64 beats a minute. But then he ended up when they ended up started dropping it to 60, we, uh, we had some real issues with, with the things. And I was overriding him. I have to admit a big share of it was my fault. And uh, mm-hmm. my, so my wife bought me another horse, uh, an Anglo Arab and, uh, she's his replacement horse. I ride him a lot just to, for pleasure and stuff and, and actually train, train her with him a little bit, but uh, she is, uh, she's got my, she's got my timing. She's got, uh, <laughs> she's, uh, we've got 3000 miles on in about six years and, and, uh, I don't know how and almost. 70% or so top tens with her. And, um, but it's because I'm competitive. That's why I got her. Otherwise I would still be, if I wasn't doing endurance, I'd be riding boomer all the time. Uh huh. Does your wife ride? She does, but she doesn't do endurance. She did one ride and said that because everybody kept pushing her to do it. And, uh, so she, did one ride, the basin ride, which is up in the Bighorn Basin in northern Wyoming, and uh-huh. it's an easy, a relatively easy flat ride. And she, she did the twenty-five miles. She said, "Okay, now I've done it. Don't <laughs> ask me to do it anymore. Yes, I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a little different than a lot of, in, you know, couples that are in involved in the sport. Usually, it's the women that ride. Well, I, I, I see that, you know, and, and I go to these rides and here are all these guys, they're supporting their wives and my wife's supporting me. And, and, uh, it's kind of unusual that I'm the one going out with their wives and she's staying in there with them. So, yeah, you're lucky. Uh, <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Well, Good for I, you. I, I am more than lucky. I'm, I've been very blessed. Uh, we've been married for, uh, going on 54 years. So she's put up oh. with a lot with me. Wow. Do you face any challenges writing at, at your age currently? Well, no, uh, it's just that I seem to have lost some of my endurance. Uh, limited distance seems to be quite easy to do. Uh, I've done a couple of 50s the last couple of years, and they seem like uh, by the time I've done a, a 50, I'm kind of tired. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I figured this out, and I, I'm not good at math, but uh, if I go backwards from 24, that means you're 76. 
No, I'm 78. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, you tend to lose a little bit of endurance approaching 80, I think. Uh, but your fact yeah. that you're doing this at all is amazing. <laughs> well, I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, kept me going. You know, it's, uh, I've always told my friends uh, that uh, you got to keep moving, you got to keep doing stuff, otherwise you're going to sit down and die. So, and I'm not ready to do that yet. Great advice. <laughs> great advice. Well, uh, great. Yeah. Well, Gary, thank you for joining us and congratulations again and uh, keep on writing. Well, thank you. I uh, I plan on it. I plan <laughs> on uh, doing it, writing into my 80, later 80s, at least anyway. So, Is there Good anything above the Century Club, like Century Plus 10 or, you know, anything like that, Karen? Yeah, um, well, if they do something like that, maybe we'll do that. So. Yes, there you go. There well, might be. All right. <laughs> Good yeah. job. All right, thanks, Gary. Congratulations. Thanks, thanks Gary. Bye. <laughs> well, thank, thank you very much. All right, <laughs> bye. Is that something you're going to aim for, Glenn? <laughs> yeah, I need to. I need to. I, I, if I am upright at his age, I'll be happy. I just wanted you to feel younger. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for helping me out today. I appreciate it. And now, like the the auditors can stop picking on me about being the oldest guy in the group. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, what an attitude, though, right? At at the age of seventy eight, it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's getting a little tougher to do fifties. <laughs> Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but he's right. You got, you know, you got to keep on keeping on. Get on that horse and go. And, you know, it was so you funny know? when he talked about his friends left him. Well, they didn't really have a choice. I mean, it was like that they decided to quit. They had problems. But uh, it was like he was almost mad at them because I started this with them. <laughs> now they're gone. <laughs> now I got to ride with you women. I get it. Yes. I think, I think, uh, most of the writers, the AARC writers, I think a huge percentage of them are women. Oh, I, well, a huge percentage yes. of our audience, 95% are women, you know. Sure, so, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> He's funny. lucky his, his wife supports him. That's great. It's nice to see <laughs> the men writing and, and the wife supporting him. And uh, I just think it's great that we have this many people still writing that are in their 70s and 80s. It's great. Well, thank you, Karen, for putting another terrific show together, another endurance episode. I'm sure by the time we get together next month, we're going to have more news from the political side of things in the endurance world. We'll have come out over the next month, that is for certain. And uh, we get together next month, right before Christmas, I think it's going to be. Yeah, yes. so, so we'll have uh, a little bit of a holiday episode for you next month. Uh, and, of course, Karen can be found where? On my blog, which is karenchatton.com. Karenchatton.com is where you can find her. All of her information, there's a ton of stuff on there. So if you need to know about anything about endurance or preparation or packing or any of that stuff, Karen's got an article on it for sure. <laughs> so check out karenchatton.com. And we'll be back here tomorrow. Jamie will be back. Thank you for joining us at our new time at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, if you want to find all the past episodes of the Endurance episode, you can go to horsesinthemorning.com, scroll down to the middle of the page, look for the Endurance banner, click on it, and it brings up all the past episodes. And there's probably, well, there's dozens and dozens now. So you can go back and listen to any one of those at any time. People forget about that sometimes. Our app only has the past 20, 25 episodes of Horses in the Morning on it, and then you have to go to the website for anything beyond that. That's kind of a limitation of podcast apps. So, Karen, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk Thanks. to you again next month.
Thanks, Glenn. Everybody wear your helmets. Be safe out there.